right, Randall. Emergency pod here tonight. Just you and me. No Jeremy tonight. We're not calling this number 60 of Behind the Yellow Line. We're here to celebrate on this Friday evening. We are recording this on the night of Friday, March 11, 2022. It's just Randall and me tonight. We wanted to come in because this lockout is over. And that's what we're here to talk about. So, Randall, we've been waiting so long for this. We're here. There's going to be baseball, and we're going to get a 162-game season. Pretty good stuff here and a huge turnaround from where we were Wednesday. You know, it's a relief. I don't think anybody was quite as pessimistic as I was among our three individuals, so sample size of three. I think I was probably the most pessimistic of us that they were going to get something done in any kind of timely fashion, and especially even right up until ratification. On Thursday afternoon, it looked like there were going to be some wrenches thrown into the works. The executive council voting against it and the owners grousing about it, apparently. But it all got done. And we have baseball yeah. forthcoming. And that is that is a huge relief. You know, there's going to be a lot of talk over the next couple of years. Did the owners win? Did the players win? You know, lots of that. I don't care about that right now. What I care about right now is that in a month, we're going to be watching Major League Baseball and we're going to be seeing a Cubs team hopefully trying to win a division championship and maybe more. But we're going to see the debut of Brendan Davis, assuming he stays healthy this year. We're going to see what Nick Madrigal looks like in a Cubs uniform. Marcus Stroman, one of the more interesting starting pitchers, starting pitcher with an incredible personality, coming to the Cubs, trying to inject some life into a part of that staff that was so bad last year, starting pitching being just a black hole for the Cubs last season, it's just so nice that there's games, there's spring training, there's going to be a run, there's going to be a pennant chase, and we get that. So I don't want to be too negative today. This is a time to celebrate. We will talk about some of the rule changes. We've gotten some front office news. Cubs are making moves. They went out and got a shortstop. Who was it? Good news, bad news. We'll have some thoughts on that. And then the skipper, David Ross, with a contract extension today as well. We're going to keep this tight tonight. Just you and me, Randall. Jeremy will tell you he's in North Carolina with some friends having a bro weekend. You and I both know damn well the reason he's not here tonight is because my Hoosiers beat Illinois in the Big Ten tournament today, knocking off the one seed. Jeremy couldn't face it. That's why he's not here tonight. He, he just couldn't hang. He's he's in mourning over his Illini. I respect his pain, even if I am chuckling at it just a little bit. So, Jeremy, yeah. uh, rest up. You know It's hard to watch your team lose. Uh, especially somebody who kept calling the Bulls frauds as much as you did. Uh, I guess we know who the real frauds among wow. basketball teams in <laughs> Illinois now. I just wanted to get that in there. Jeremy, do enjoy your weekend in North Carolina. Yeah. We will. We'll, we look forward to you coming back next edition. Yeah, he'll be back for number 60 next week. But we did want to get on the air here tonight. We wanted to put something together. We're going to do a bit of a tighter show here this evening. Um, so let's start, though, with this CBA. One thing that we were talking about Wednesday with Jeremy is, are they going to get a full 162-game season? and they were able to preserve it. So less than 24 hours after the second week of the season was canceled, just like that, Randall, it was uncanceled. So the Cubs now open the season at home, Wrigley Field, April 7th against Milwaukee. Spring training is going to open a week from today, March 18th, on the road against the Giants. Then they come home next Saturday for the Padres. So here we go, Randall. We're back, and it's baseball time. Uh, it, you know, it's funny how they were able to cancel and then yeah. uncancel <laughs> a whole week of games. It's almost like the the 
uh, deadlines were all were completely arbitrary, yeah. completely made up, and there was no point in attempting to enforce them in the first place. But no, we're, we're not being negative tonight. It's done. The negotiations are finished. We have baseball, and there are a whole lot of people who can hit a ball very far or throw a ball very hard streaming towards Arizona and Florida as we speak. There's a lot of places that you can go to get all of the details on the rule changes. Is it good? Is it bad? Some of the things that did happen, minimum salaries are going up. Bonus pool there for pre-arbitration players. Going to be a draft lottery, so at least an illusion here of trying to prevent teams from tanking. But one thing that I did want to get your opinion on here, we've talked a lot about 14-game playoff, 12-game playoff. Well, we got an answer to that now. 12-game playoff is the new format, so 12 of 30 major league teams making the postseason. But the structure of the playoffs changes with it. And I think the biggest change here, Randall, wild card round expanding. No more one game wild card, best of three sets here. What do you think? Good, bad? How are you feeling about the new playoffs? You know, I, I do still think that a 12 team playoff field, six teams from each league of 15. Um, I do still think that that waters it down uh, more than it needs to. But looking at the format, I don't hate it as much as I intended. And Well, I was going to say intended to. That's not necessarily wrong. I don't hate it as much as I anticipated I would. I think it's organized very logically. Um, the breakdown for our listeners is you have six teams from each 15 team league, the NL and the AL. Welcome to baseball, just in case you're just joining us. Uh, your top two division winners are your one seed and your two seed. They receive a first round bye. They do not have to play in this new wild card round. Your worst division winner is your number three seed. And then your wild card teams, there are three of them, are seeded number four, five, and six. The wild card round is best of three. And the matchups are the number three seed versus the number six seed. And then the number four seed versus the number five seed. And then your division series is the number one seed versus the winner of the four versus five matchup. And your number two seed versus the winner of the three versus six matchup. So it's, it's arranged very logically. You know, the NFL does their wild card weekend where the best teams get a buy, they get to rest up. And I don't necessarily hate this as much as I thought I would winning your division and not just winning your division, but being the best division winner you possibly can is incentivized still. If you're the one or the two seed, you don't have to play in this wild card round. You can set your rotation, rest your guys as much as you need to. Um, and there's there's no more one and done. And I, I kind of don't hate that either. I like yeah. that it is going to play out a little bit more. I'm glad they didn't fiddle around with the ghost, the ghost wins where one team only has yeah. to win one game or the other team has to win two games. I'm glad they didn't fiddle with this. No more ghosts in baseball. Baseball yeah. has plenty of ghosts as it is. If you build it, they will come, Ray. Um, so yeah, I, I, you know, I don't think we needed a 12 team playoff field, but now that we have it, I don't hate it as much as I thought I would. Yeah. Randall, I mostly agree with you on that as well. I, I think something that's not lost on me is that this was very close to a 14 team field. And if you've got 14 out of 30 teams, that's excessive. I did not want that. I really don't want 12. I kind of liked eight. You win your division or be the best remaining team. That's how you get into the postseason. But this is a money thing. This is a very lucrative thing. So I'm kind of okay with 12. And one thing that I do also think about this is you win the National League regular season. So you've got the best record in the league. You win your division with that as well. You get the bye like you're saying. That's kind of an old school sort of tip of the cap because if you think back to the pre-playoff days, you won the league, you went to the World Series, or you didn't win the league, you end up sitting out and you're not in it till the next year. So I'm mostly happy with it. 
uh, you're going to sort of increase the home field advantage there, where if you're the higher seed for those wild card games, there's no flying. So you play those games in your home ballpark. And again, we were looking at a 14 game possibility here. So I'm much happier that it's at 12. One thing though, I got to say, we're losing game 163. I think that's a huge miss for Major League Baseball. Those one game, here we go. And I'm not talking about the one game wild card. I'm saying game 163 as a Cub fan, that's important to me. Going to miss that, I think. Yeah, for our listeners who are not aware, and you know, the, there are little details in the CBA that I don't uh, probably won't become public uh, unless their former scenarios come into play. But the game 163 tiebreaker games have been eliminated. All division or wildcard ties now will be handled solely by the head-to-head record. Um, or run differentials like the NFL does it. The they NFL will be, structure, yeah. Right. They will be handled by what the results on the field were. There's no more pl- uh, one game play-ins for any reason. Um, yeah. yeah. So those are gone. And, you know, it's funny you mentioned the 14 team field. It feels like we didn't get the worst case scenario. And so anything short of that is acceptable. It is funny though, that because we have three wildcard teams now, you're probably going to see occasions where you have like an 85 team division winner um, in that number three seed, and they're going to end up playing potentially like a 95 team, yeah. or 95 game wildcard winner in, in one of those matchups. Um, and that's going to be funny to play out. You're going to see fans uh, complaining, Hey, we won 10 more games in this division winner. We know why are they getting, why are they getting the, the higher seed and so on? Um, so it's going to be funny to see that play out, but yeah, I, I don't hate the playoff format. I did not need expansion, but now that we have it and within those yeah. confines, I think it's handled very logically and very reasonably. I'm a little surprised to hear that from you, Randall, just as a Cubs fan and remembering 2020, Cubs win the division in 2020. We get the expanded playoffs because of COVID. You're up against a wild card Miami team and two days slap in the face, your season's over. That's a real possibility again here. So on one hand, it incentivizes you to not just win your division, but be one of the top two teams in the league. On the other hand, we're going to see good division winning teams get knocked off by the Arizona Diamondbacks. And the the Miami Marlins that oh I don't like that at all. I'm I'm raising my hand to speak here. That's unnecessary. There's only two people on the podcast tonight. No one else is going to interrupt. Uh, for as long as the Miami Marlins are in existence, there's always a non-zero chance they are going to vex me somehow. Um, so I guess that's just a risk inherent to fandom. Get short of getting rid of the Marlins, uh, like Jeter jumping ship is, is the man the man leaving his fish behind. Um, there, there, there's always a chance that the D-backs or the Marlins or some other team out there is going to come out of nowhere and just completely ruin my October. Um, so that, that's inherent to fandom and the, the risk is always there. I might as well, I might as well deal with it. Yeah. Well, some things that fans should know also is that not all the rules are done. The international draft has been pushed back to July to kind of work out a deal on that. Um, something else as we go into spring training now that isn't resolved what is the active roster size going to be in April? And last I heard, or at least what I saw today, is that Major League Baseball is reaching out to all the general managers and directors of baseball operations and saying, hey, do you need extra players here for April? Because we are going to have a shorter spring training than normal. So that's kind of fun here over the next month or so. There's still rule changes that will be implemented, but the big stuff is out of the way. And that that's funny. The, the, that's what happens when you ratify a CBA on Thursday evening yeah. and set Saturday as your mandatory uh, reporting date. You're going to have some paint drying 
on everything as players are still reporting. So it, it's funny that we are going into this rapid fire instant spring training and we are still waiting for some things to crystallize. But again, that is the nature, of course, of coming out of a CBA negotiation that started to eat up your spring training. Better to deal with those things than to not have to deal with those things. You know, some fun today, Randall, seeing the Instagram accounts and Twitter accounts kind of come back to life for these teams, the Cubs accounts, getting pictures of players again. What of these have sort of caught your eye? What were you most excited about? Was it seeing pictures on the website again? Like, what is it? Yeah, so it, it, we've talked about it. You've talked about getting that that feeling of of wanting baseball back and everything that comes with it. I miss the photos of the playing players walking into the facility, carrying their yeah. Cubs branded duffel bags and everything, smiling for the camera. The thing that actually jumped out at me most, of course, is during the lockout when MLB was not permitted to use the names or likenesses of anybody in the Players Association, all of the team website rosters were, of course, these grayed out generic headshots and what the players were using as their uh, their avatars on social media. And yesterday, as that CBA was ratified, they all came back in an instant. All the players had faces again. And that that's funny to me that they went from being these gray faceless mannequins back to being real players all of a sudden. So that that's the funniest thing to me after the oft missed photos yeah. of the players walking back into the facilities. I'll tell you what I'm most excited about is the uh, Lowry organ at Wrigley Field and hearing that thing again. We saw the organist for the team put out some videos yesterday on Twitter. Just he was playing Hallelujah, I think is what he was playing. Like, this is over. We got baseball coming back. There's a lot of things as a fan to still be upset about. There's a lot of reasons to still not like the Dick Monforts of the world. And I'll have plenty of time to get into that over the course of this season. But I think baseball fans right now should be celebrating and we should be happy because our sport is back. And like I said, a month from now, the Cubs are going to be playing baseball inside Wrigley Field and we're going to get to watch that. And I was very worried, Randall. I did not think we were going to get April baseball. So I'm in a celebratory mood here. There'll be plenty of time to bitch and moan and complain about all the things that are wrong with our sport. But for now, I'm just glad it's back. There's always time to bitch and moan about things that are wrong with our sport. And it's better to have a sport to bitch and moan about than to not. Mm -hmm. And uh, one other thing that, and, you know, as the full text of the CBA is made public piecemeal over the next, however long that's going to take. There is one thing that little, little thing that jumped out at me is teams are now required by the, uh, the, uh, the bargaining agreement as long as it is requested by April 15th of each year, the team is required to provide English as a second language tutors and Spanish as a second language tutors to as long as one player requests this on each team by April 15th of each year, the teams are required to provide that. And that's that's neat. You have players, of course, international who for whom English is not their first language and they would like to brush up on that. And that's great for them. And then you have the players who are English speaking and they would like to brush up on their Spanish um, for purposes of communicating with their teammates and players on other teams. And I think that's a really neat, if small thing that is now collectively bargained that the teams have to provide. And I think that's, that's a nice, um, that's a nice acknowledgement that this is a multilingual game at this point. And there are players out there looking to look to, looking to communicate better or looking to broaden their horizon. So I like that, that small thing. And I have a feeling there's going to be a lot of little things like that that are made public over the next short while. I like that you identified that. I think that is very cool. And it just highlights this is a global game. And that is awesome 
think of the, all the great stars in Major League Baseball right now from the Dominican, Latin America, Japan, Canada. I'd love to see that. Speaking of global game, that's a great reminder. Something else yeah. that is out in the CBA is that the league and the Players Association will stage these international games, these tours across the globe over the next five years. Among the locations mentioned, Asia, all of Asia, apparently, uh, London, Paris, the Dominican Republic, and I know we were most excited about that. I think MLB games in the Dominican Republic are going to be an insane atmosphere. We we know what the winter ball atmosphere is like in, in those countries. We know what the World Baseball Classic games have been like as they've been played all over the world. I think a, a full-bore MLB game played in the Dominican Republic is going to be an atmosphere unmatched by anything that's yeah. ever happened in the history of this league. That, of course, is a, a vague thing. It's a, to be staged in the next five years. It could be a while till we get that. I think if and when we do get there, that is going to be insane, and that is going to be appointment viewing. Completely agree. It's awesome. We talked about it on the show a couple months ago. It's like, okay, what can baseball do here? We, we've seen the Little League games. We've seen the Cornfield game, all of that stuff. What else can they do? The Dominican Republic was at the top of our list. Rob Manfred, I know you're listening to this because you value my opinion. This is how you do the game in the Dominican Republic. Chicago Cubs, Boston Red Sox. I want Sammy there. I want Poppy there. I want Pedro there. What an incredible scene that would be. And I would be awesome to have one of the marquee teams in the American League, one of the marquee teams in the National League, and a perfect opportunity, something that should have happened 15 years ago at this point, to get Sammy back into the fold, make it a Cubs-Red Sox game in the Dominican Republic, bring Sammy out onto the field. It's just perfect. I really hope that could happen. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that, that's one of the things that I am looking forward to um, looking forward to them instituting over the next few years. And we've given MLB a lot of shit, and rightfully so. People asking, have your opinions of Rob Manfred changed now that the lockout was over? No, he's still a colossal shit weasel. But <laughs> that, that doesn't mean there aren't things to be happy about um, yeah. in the CBA. And there's a, there's a lot to be happy about beyond just baseball being back. Absolutely. Uh, one other thing that is not going to impact this season, 2023, though, we're hearing major overhauls to the scheduling system in Major League Baseball, fewer division games. And a big interesting wrinkle here is each year you would play at least one series against every team in baseball. So that means starting in 2023, if this goes through, every year you're going to get Cubs-Yankees. You're going to get Cubs-Red Sox. You're going to get Cubs-Mariners. And they'll likely alternate, you know, one year in Seattle, the next year here in Chicago. So there are still lots of wrinkles to come to this, but the game is changing. It's evolving in front of us. And we're looking at, this has never happened before. The Cubs and the Red Sox playing every single year. Interesting. This is the direction the sport is going. Yeah, and you know, this is more the NBA NHL model where every team plays every team at least once a year. I know you're thrilled about this. Fewer Cubs Cardinals games, more Cubs Orioles games. That's what we were, that's what we were pining for. Um, I think it probably makes them easier to expand down the line. It'll make it a whole lot easier to, to expand and realign probably to uh, multiple four team divisions um, across MLB and math math is hard because it's Friday night. That would be four, four team divisions yeah. in each league for 16 teams total in each league, 32 across the league. So it'll make it easier for that. And I don't think that's a, a driving force, but I do think it'll make it easier down the line. Um, but yeah, you know, 
it's it's going to be interesting and it's it going to take away this notion of the interleague rotation where you would look at which division you're matched up with and where the cubs are going to go and who they're going to host and that's uh that's going to be out the window now you're going to yeah. either host or travel to every team in the american league so I'm I'm not for it or against it. Uh, I'd like you know I'm going to wait till I see it in action over the course yeah. of a full season. It's an interesting change though. It's a big change. Interleague. Uh, I know a lot of people aren't huge fans of it, but it has worked one way since they instituted it in 1997, and uh, you know it's it's changing. It's, it's changing drastically now. You don't have this division rotation anymore. So that'll be interesting to see how they institute it starting next year. And there's relocation and or expansion coming. There are cities and markets here in North America that I'm very confident in the next 10 or 20 years are going to have Major League Baseball teams, places like Charlotte or Nashville, Montreal, Portland. If that's the case, you got to get creative about what these divisions and leagues are going to look like. And this feels like a slow introduction into that. I still want the leagues to have value. Winning a National League pennant is a, a very this thing that you should very much be proud about. I want that to matter. I don't want the Cubs and the White Sox, for example, to be in the same division. But no, I do cringe a little bit. I love Cubs-Cardinals. And to lose some of those games for, to your point, Cubs-Baltimore or more road trips out to the West Coast so the Cubs can fly out to Oakland and get smoked by a bad A's team, that kind of makes you cringe a little bit. But I think that this is trending in a direction of we are going to see expansion. They got to figure out the ballparks in Tampa and Oakland. And then from there, what new markets can emerge for Major League Baseball and what are these leagues going to be structured like? The sport has always changed. Expansion has been a big part of the growth of the sport. And we're getting little pieces of it. So lots more on this front coming. It'll be fun next week. Get Jeremy back in here, get some of his thoughts on it. But for now, baseball's back. And with baseball coming back, there are moves happening. All this talk, Cubs are going in on a big-time shortstop. Carlos Correa, Carlos Correa. Well, Cubs went out and signed a Gold Glove-winning shortstop. Just happens to not be Carlos Correa. Andrelton Simmons, who spent most of his career with Atlanta, he was up in Minnesota for a difficult year last year. One year, four million. Randall, I saw you on Twitter when the news broke. You didn't seem too happy the minute that this was announced. Well, it's good to be back. It's good to be back and overreacting to these minuscule yeah. signings. That's how you know we're back, and it feels good. Yeah, no, I was not terribly thrilled with this as it came out. But, of course, you know, the, the emotional first reaction, and then you look at the details and you calm down. One year, $4 million. He is hopefully and li likely and hopefully a backup. Um, we know he has zero bat. Uh, Dusty Baker used to joke that Nafi Perez drove in runs with his glove uh and Drelton might as well go up there swinging a glove he could not possibly do any worse but he is an elite defensive shortstop his defensive metrics in the 99th percentile in the 2021 season um and right now we are it, it is a shortstop deficient roster nico horner is ostensibly your starting shortstop a position he has not played very much in the major leagues a position he has not played much less for a full season he's had some injury issues um, and he's probably better suited as either a second baseman or as a utility guy. Uh, so Simmons is your one legitimate major league shortstop on the roster at the moment. That needs to change. He can't be your one shortstop. If he is starting every day, something has gone terribly, terribly wrong at some phase. But as long as he is a backup and you know that as an elite shortstop with a great arm, he can handle third base, he can handle second base. Uh, as long as he's a backup and as long as he's your late inning defensive guy at most, I'm perfectly fine with it. We've said this a lot. This needs to be not the move as a move, potentially complementary to others. It's fine. Um, putting aside the fact that he is 
apparently a conspiracy theory uh, enthusiast <laughs> and not in not in I don't want to say the fun way because that encourages you Ronan but not oh, yeah. quite in the way that you are we're talking in the the, the not great way um, and getting past that if you are able to get past that he's a perfectly fine backup utility infielder with an elite glove well, Randall, if you want to talk chemtrails, I got all night here. So does the weekend. So does the Cubs' new backup infielder. You and him can can hang out and exchange thoughts on chemtrails. I would enjoy that thoroughly. I'd love to hear what he's thinking about it. But you're right. I, I think before I want to be fully on the record, and of course I say that knowing this is being recorded and captured forever, it really depends on where this falls into the total offseason picture. And there's a lot more moves to be made here for the Cubs. They still have about $100 million potentially to spend before they're up against that tax. I don't think they're going to spend all of that, but still there's more moves coming. As long as he is not the everyday guy at shortstop, this is going to end up being a good thing. We know with this pitching staff in particular, there's going to be a lot of contact pitchers. You need strong infield defense. I've been very worried about the shortstop position. Yeah, I'm optimistic about Nico, but Nico's never been healthy. He's barely played above double A, really, you know, over, over three years in the majors and two weeks or so in triple A baseball. We don't really know what's there. Health has been an issue for him. Nick Madrigal should be a competent and good second baseman. He had that nasty injury last year. You got David Bodie on the roster. Where else are you going here with regards to who's getting innings at shortstop and who's a good defensive player? This is a $4 million contract. It's incentive laden. So he's got that incentive. Look, if I perform better, I'm going to make more money this year. I'm pretty, I'm good with this move. Uh, the bat is not there. This is not a guy that's going to do a lot of destruction offensively, but he is one of the best defensive shortstops. Even if that's beginning to slip, he used to be an, a truly elite defensive shortstop. That's coming down a little bit as he's now 32 years old, but this is going to be a good thing for the Cubs as long as he's not the everyday guy at shortstop. And I got to say, too, I think of him as a Brave. Actually played more games in Anaheim. About 70 more games in Anaheim, Anaheim over five years, four years in Atlanta. One pretty disastrous season in Minnesota last year. So he's got a lot to play for here. And I'm happy. I, I, I'm, I was worried about infield depth. I was worried about that depth chart, particularly at shortstop. And I do not believe this is the last move the Cubs are going to make at shortstop. I'm not saying Correa is coming. I don't know that they're going more than 10 years or over $300 million for him, but you needed something. So to get this out of the way at the beginning of spring training, I think it gives them a little bit more leverage. Sure. It's, it's, you know, it's like a backup catcher signing. It needs to be not the single move, but as yeah. far as building completely necessary depth at a, not just a position, a key position, as far as on the field is concerned, it's a perfectly, it's a perfectly reasonable move. Randall, we're getting teased though. All the national reporters saying Cubs are in on Correa. Look at the Cubs to make a move here. All right, Friday night, we're both tired. It's been a long week for us. If you were to put money on it right now, does Correa come to Chicago or do the Cubs end up likely losing a bidding war here? I'm still going to take the field just because I don't think the Cubs are going to top what a team like the Yankees might be willing to offer him. But you know, it's not logical. I have that hope against hope, just like I did that the Cubs were going to work out something short-term high value with Bryce Harper. And that obviously did not work out that way. 
Um, I have this hope against hope that they're going to work something out with Correa. They're going to realize you, you don't get the opportunity to sign uh, a late 20s elite shortstop offensively and defensively in his prime. They're going to realize that you can reopen a competitive window with the right signing. I have this hope against hope that they're going to figure it out. And I'll still take the field in this if we're thinking logically. I still think some team will offer him just that much more money than the Cubs are willing to. But you know, I'm, I'm ready to get hurt again. And it's, it's good to have baseball back. It's good to willingly expose myself to the emotional pain that I'm expecting. That's part of being a fan. Absolutely. And we don't know, okay, Chris Bryant, where's he going? Kyle Schwarber, where's he going? Anthony Rizzo, is there a possibility that maybe he ends up back on the north side with his DH position too, ready to go for the Cubs? Eyes on all of that stuff. One guy that we thought may have been in the Cubs sites, Carlos Rodon, off the table now. He's going to San Francisco, two years, $44 million, opt out after year one if he wants. I would have given him that contract. Bummer. Good for him. He's in a great ballpark for pitchers there in San Francisco. Man, I would have liked that arm, though. Cubs still need at least one more starting pitcher. That could have been a good one. Yeah, I wouldn't have minded Rodon on that contract. It's similar to what you gave Stroman. It's short. It's short term. It's high value. I still think that there's something really not good going on in that arm and that shoulder, mm. uh, which is why the White Sox didn't really seem to make any effort in bringing him back. So I still think there's something not good going on there. And if there is, you're now locked into owing this guy $44 million over the next two years, and he you know, he's got a ticking time bomb in his arm or his shoulder, but past that, yeah, I would have given him that contract. I would have given him 22 million for one year, 44 million for two years, knowing that he's going to give you that power pitching that this Cubs rotation has lacked for a while now. So I would have given him that contract and, you know, we'll see if I'm, we'll see if we're right about that in another month, in another six months, how that went for him. But on paper, yeah, I would have given him that contract. Totally. Well, I was laughing here in Denver today, big story in Rockies world. Apparently they're going hard for Albert. Uh, he's eyeing that 700 home runs of all the things the Rockies need. Albert Pujols, just to get over that hump at 700, it's the most Colorado Rockies thing for them to do. Wouldn't be surprised if it happens. But g- given that the concerns of the Rockies and Rockies fans are not my concerns, I'm not worried about their team being good. I don't care if the Rockies are good. Given that, send Pujols to Denver. Absolutely. Get him out there as your your DH three or four times a week. See if he can pop 21 home runs in Pinball Park out there. And you can, the Rockies can sell your t-shirts and your, your tickets and your pictures and your giveaways and your bobbleheads for Albert Pujols' 700th home run. Absolutely make that happen. Ostensibly, the Cardinals, the Mariners, and the Rockies are interested in him. Of those three teams, I would by far prefer to see him go to Colorado. Uh, Seattle, not going to be an easy place for him to hit all those home runs. Cardinals, the less said, the better. Absolutely. Send him to Colorado, Rona. You can even offer him like your your, your couch. You can offer him your fold-out couch to sleep on. He's right near the ballpark. The rent is low. He gets to hang out with Huxley, the official dog of BTYL. <laughs> Find us on Twitter, by the way, at BTYL Podcast. I don't see how Albert could resist, honestly. I, I'd enjoy uh, a couple beers here with Albert Pujols, uh, talk about his career. He's 21 home runs short of 700. So no guarantee he's going to get there this year. Uh, 12 home runs uh, with the Dodgers and another five home runs with Anaheim in 24 or so games before they got rid of him this season. He's not the guy that he was. Obviously an incredible career. I could very much see the Rockies doing this. And you know what? If he's getting close to 700, I'm going to be out at the ballpark. I want to be there and see it. I've never seen anybody hit 700 home runs before. So, yeah, I'm just glad 
nothing in the Cubs world related to that. And and hopefully, to your point here, there are more moves coming for the Cubs and there are some big bats coming in here because there are still holes offensively, need another arm in the rotation. It's got to be more than just 32-year-old veteran backup infielders that they're signing and that should be coming soon. And you say you've never seen seen anyone hit 700 home runs. If you told me that Pujols did that against the Cubs in like one weekend back in say 2004, I would have believed you. You know he'll he'll end up with 700 some home runs, and all 900 of them will have been against the Cubs in my mind. Well, let's end with some Cubs news here. The skipper getting a contract extension. He was going into the final year of his deal. It's extended through 2024 with a team option for 2025. So the 44 year old. World Series hero and Cubs manager David Ross, first year that 60-game COVID season in 2020, 34-26, brings home a division title. Last year, yikes, 91 losses. The Cubs have a Major League Baseball record, 69 different players who play for the team. I'm more than happy with this, though. I've been impressed with David Ross. What happened last year was certainly nothing of his doing. There haven't been any real moments to me, Randall, where I've gone, what the hell is he doing? And honestly, at the end with Joe, there were some things that weren't really adding up. So, yeah, let's give David Ross a couple more years to see if this is going to work out. Sure. The issues that Ross has are the issues that every major league manager has. And if you polled 30 fan bases to a to a fan base, they would all complain probably about the same two things, bullpen management and lineup construction. Um, and he writes and, and those are those are standard. I don't think anybody loves how their manager runs the bullpen. I don't think anybody loves how their manager puts together the day-to-day lineup. You get past that and Ross is perfectly fine. He's clearly got control of the clubhouse. Uh, Not that he was teammates with anybody on this roster anymore, but it clearly wasn't an issue. Some people thought he'd be afraid to criticize Rizzo, criticize Bryant. That clearly wasn't the case. He's clearly got control of the clubhouse. The players clearly respect him. And that's always a good place to start. And I think the in-game stuff it's only going to be his third year as a major league manager. I think that will get better. So I'm perfectly fine with it. Um, the analogy that just popped into my head and I think is particularly apt. Let's say, uh, you know, you, you have the opportunity to move, maybe move apartments. What's what's going to be less painful staying and maybe enduring your rent going up just a little bit or going through the whole rigmarole of finding a new place to live. What's going to be easier. And in, in this case, I don't think it would be, I don't think it behooves this team to, play another season under a lame duck manager and then do this all over again a year from now. I think it absolutely makes sense to extend them a couple of years, stay the course for now. And if for whatever reason, it does not get better, um, it, it gets worse. You know, he certainly won't be the first manager ever fired by his team. I'm perfectly fine with this. Nothing made me want him gone. And now he'll be here another few years beyond that. Likeable guy too. I think I certainly pull for him. Saw this in the official press release the Cubs put out here He's the 24th person to play for the Cubs and then manage them. So that's pretty cool. But how about this line here to kind of bring things home? He joins Frank Chance, Joe Tinker, and Johnny Evers as the only players to win a World Series as a Cub and then later manage the team. So when you're in company with guys from 1907 and 1908, pretty cool that tie back more than 100 years ago with this team's history. We'll we'll rename the poem, Tinker to Evers to Chance to Ross. And uh, how about another World Series championship, David? This time as a skipper. That's one thing that those guys were not able to do and achieve is bring home multiple World Series championships for the Chicago Cubs. And I'm excited. I I think the farm's looking good. You had named all those great pitchers in the minor leagues that we're going to be keeping an eye on this year. When Jeremy comes back this week, we're going to talk about some of the big bats that we're excited about. 
But we're going to focus on the big league roster, and there's so much to talk about there. So I'm excited. This is a good time. It's nice to be back so quickly. I was in a bad mood, man. When we signed off on Wednesday, I'm like, this is bad. We're not getting baseball. And it just like that worked out. I got lucky that the Rockies will have an opening day before that Cubs set. I'm looking at real nice seats here for that Thursday night game for about $16 a pop. That's what I like to see. And most importantly, baseball's coming. And this time next week, Randall, we're going to see the Cubs in uniform in sunny Arizona playing against the San Francisco Giants. How about and, that? And can I just thank 670 The Score's Twitter account? As soon as this CBA was ratified mm-hmm. and agreed upon, they, they knew we were starving. They let us know March 18th, the first Cubs radio broadcast, the Pat and Ron Twitter account confirmed to us that those words we are pining to hear that we would hear that Chicago Cubs baseball will be on the air. I appreciate all of these parties understanding our pain, understanding the suffering we were enduring and understanding as soon as it, it all lifted that we are ready to be back. And they were letting us know when it was going to be back. And I appreciate that. Any other baseball thoughts here, Randall for tonight? Uh, baseball. That's my baseball thoughts. Just a big thought bubble over my head. There's a baseball in it. It's, it's uh, kind of moving around like a window screensaver. When it hits the edge of the bubble, it bounces back. That's all I got for you right now. Baseball. Well, you got to answer something that is not baseball related. I want you to tell me whether or not this is a true or false statement. And then what you have to say for it. Khalil Mack is the last professional sports jersey that you purchased. Oh, he's definitely not the last professional sports jersey. The problem okay. is simply that you can't get a blank NFL jersey. Of course, it has to be numbered. They don't sell blank NFL jerseys because there's no money in that. You would just be buying a a big solid colored, unnumbered um, T-shirt, basically. He is definitely not the last professional sports jersey I am getting. He is probably the last active pro athlete jersey that I will ever buy. I have jinxed too many great players. I have ended too many great careers. I'm a menace. I'm a jinx. And it's time for me to understand that. And, and not ruin any more promising careers, only blank or retired players at this point. Well, and, and maybe I could have been clearer there. I guess what I was really asking was confirming that that was, in fact, the most recent jersey that you've purchased. That is, that is correct. The most recent named jersey that I purchased was a Khalil Mack jersey right after Thanksgiving of 2018. And people are telling me, well, you got four good years out of that jersey. I, I did. I, I did, but it, it feels hollow. I feel like I feel like I jinxed it. He didn't finish out the contract here in Chicago. He gets traded. He's been injured. And I feel like that's my fault. So Khalil, I know you're listening just like Rob Manfred is. I apologize. I hope you enjoy it out in Los Angeles, where the, wherever the Chargers play now, ticket, ticket seat stadium. I don't know, whatever. Uh, I hope you enjoy it out there. Um, I'm sorry I did this to you. And my promise to any other active Chicago athletes is I I will never ruin your career by buying your Jersey. It's not a hatred thing. It's a respect thing. It's time I retire from the, the active pro athlete Jersey buying game. I'm not a huge Jersey guy. I'm still looking for a Farnsworth or a Zuleta. I need some of these Oh one Cubs. If that's anything that I would buy next, it would be a 2001 Cubs Jersey, but I had a feeling because you've kind of slowed down your purchases the last couple of years. I thought man, jerseys, jerseys cost money. Yeah, Jersey's not time. cheap. This shit is expensive. Yeah. I don't hate the trade though. I love Mac, terrific player, one of the great defensive players of the last decade here in the sport. The Bears got some issues though. They don't have a ton of draft picks. They had some salary cap issues. Build around fields here. Let's figure this thing out. So you tip your cap to someone like that. It's like we're not leaving on bad terms. We love you. You were a great player, but 
maybe you don't fit into this next cycle for them. So with that, uh, you'll have that 52 jersey sitting in your closet next to your Kosuke and next to your multiple Ryan Terrio jerseys that we all know that you've got. And it'll collect dust until his career is over. And you could bust that thing back out again. They don't collect dust. I keep these things clean. Don't don't you impugn. Do keep them covered. Yeah, don't don't impugn. Don't impugn my jersey honor. Well, um, don't get any Cubs jerseys, please. No, uh, of current no. players, because I like some of the guys that they're putting on this roster right now, and I want to see where this goes. You, you asked me, Randall, are you going to get a Stroman jersey? And I said, absolutely not. Why would I do that to the guy? Yeah. Well, I'm very excited to see him. Of all the pitchers that have come in here, certainly seeing what he can do on the mound is going to be fun. And this time next week, Cubs baseball, Pat, got to love it. Uh, any thoughts for Jeremy? You know he's listening to this as he's down in North Carolina before we wrap up. Uh, Jeremy, enjoy North Carolina. I hear it's lovely down there. I've been to South Carolina, which is just south of your current position. That's why it's called South Carolina and not North Carolina or Central Carolina. Uh, so enjoy your vacation, Jeremy, and we will welcome you back for episode 60 next week. You know what I'm looking for? We were talking last show about a wager. Well, we made a wager. Off air, we agreed to terms on a wager. And Jeremy is going to be delivering that wager because my Hoosiers won. So fans, folks listening to this show, number 60 this week, Jeremy's going to come in groveling because the Hoosiers knocked off the Illini. And I cannot wait for it. I'm ready for it, Randall. Jeremy may stay in North Carolina at this point. You're going to call in that bet. He's going to go, nope, sorry. Vacation got extended. You're going to have to do episode 60 without me. Jeremy, I don't blame you. Well, Randall, enjoy your weekend here. One last weekend before we got games all the way through October. Uh, So relax here, right? You're going to be stressed out once these games start and the Cubs are playing. Enjoy this weekend off. For folks that are listening to this, we made it through some pretty dark days here. It was a rough winter in baseball land, but we got Cubs back here. And, hey, another chance at a division championship, another chance at a playoff run. I'm here for it. So, Randall, enjoy your weekend. We'll be back next week again. We're on Twitter at TYL Podcast, number 60 next week. So we'll talk a little Sammy Sosa on top of all of that. We'll see you next week.